in your sheets is Hebrews, Hebrews sorry, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the great joy that is awaiting your people. Lord, we pray that by faith you would give us a taste of that this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there are many word pictures in the Bible to describe the Christian life. It's a war, it's a boxing match, it's work at the farm, it's a race. Funnily enough, the Christian life as a day at the spa never gets a mention. So why do we live as if it does? So often we lie back and wait for joy to be served to us in a tall glass with a tiny umbrella on the top. So often we lie back and shut our eyes, expecting God to show up and pamper us. I believe that for many, sadly... Their Christianity consists of very little effort, very little striving, very little discipline. Sin is not fought with conviction. Holiness is not pursued with intention. Prayer, Bible reading, and gathering together, they're good if they they happen, but if they don't, that's okay. This is not okay. We are not on a church-sponsored spa day. There is a race marked out for us. I used to think that I could run, until the day I told Kevin my uh, personal best for the 5K. No word of a lie, here are his words. Well, that's not really running though, is it? (laughs) But every Christian is a runner, Kevin. (laughs) Once you put your faith in Christ... You are given a vest and running shoes. There is a finish line. There is a long, winding road before we get there. And to reach that end, we must run. It's, uh, it's possible to cheat in a human race. I quite like the story of the, um, the 1999 ultramarathon in South Africa. Uh, the person that came ninth, uh, well, suspicions arose because some photos emerged where around various points on the course, his watch seemed to be switching hands. Uh, It turned out that this one man was in fact two brothers, and uh, they were just stopping off at the toilet, swapping clothes, and running the race in relay. But there is no cheating in the Christian race. We cannot sit on the sidelines and expect to receive a medal at the end. The only way to reach the end is to run. And that's the main instruction in these verses that we're looking at today. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Notice that this is a uh, a long race requiring prolonged perseverance. 
It's not a, a brief race requiring a short period of enthusiasm. Um, I'd choose the 100 metres over long distance any day of the week. Uh, there's no pain, no mental struggle, and no chance that Kevin could beat me. Um, but the, <laughs> the Christian race is an ultramarathon. Ultramarathons are often 50 or 100 kilometres long, or they're timed events. How far can you run in 24 hours? They're often run in challenging conditions, whether that's a desert course or challenging mountain terrain. There's steep inclines, there's terrible weather. Uh, it's, it's really challenging. Not that I would know. Uh, the effort and determination of the men and women who do this is just mind-boggling. What sort of person looks at a marathon and says, that's not long enough? But somehow they're able to persevere even when everything is telling them to give up. When uh, the desert kicks up a sandstorm, I will not give up. When the terrain gets really, really steep, I will not give up. When the blisters burn on their feet, I will not give up. And this is the same determination that we are called to as Christians. Every time we hit that wall, I will not give up. These verses are here to help us to do this. Here are here three antidotes to lazy Christianity, three energy boosts that will help us run with perseverance. Firstly, run with perseverance by listening to the witnesses. This chapter begins, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... This verse is sometimes taught as if the race was run in a stadium. And as you run, uh, you better not stop because the dead are watching. Uh, Like uh, Noah doesn't have a TV in heaven, so he's got nothing better to do than just watch us run for entertainment. But he and all the others in chapter 11, they're with the Lord. Their eyes are not fixed on us. The great cloud of witnesses refers to all those heroes mentioned in chapter 11. Um, These verses are giving the application of what we've already read. And we've already seen that by faith, they have already run the race and finished it well. They did not give up whatever hardships hit them. They persevered, and by faith, they reached the finish line. So what are they witnesses of? They're not witnesses of us. They're witnesses of the power of faith. Each one of them has seen with their own eyes that no obstacle is too great for God's power to overcome working through our faith. They are runners, not crowd. But they do still surround us. It's like they've, um, they've reached the finish line and then they've turned back to come and encourage us. So Rahab, Enoch, Joseph, they... Uh, Uh, and the rest of them, they figuratively surround you in your race, and they bear witness to the power of faith that they have seen. They say, I know it's tough, but I made it. I faced what you're going through, but keep going by faith. It's worth it. In chapter 11, we read, uh, by faith, Abel still speaks. But he's not the only one. By their example, all of these heroes of faith still speak. 
they bear witness that by faith we can we reach the finish line and we should encourage, listen to their encouragement. All of us are going to hit the wall at some point. Maybe some of you are in that space right now. You're facing a steep incline. You've got blisters on your feet. You might think it's impossible to keep going, impossible to stay faithful, impossible to resist temptation. Or you're just tempted by lazy Christianity just to take it easy. Listen to these witnesses. Why not lose yourself in one of the great stories of the Bible? Pick up Genesis and uh, look at the life of Abraham and see how he kept going through faith. Or why not reread what we've been going through in the mornings with the life of Joseph, seeing how he kept going? It's not particularly fashionable in um, biblical interpretation to see these Old Testament figures as examples for us, but, but Hebrews does see them, at least in part, in that way. And it really is a great cloud. That list in chapter 11 is not exhaustive. There have been, um, they're just select examples of those who finished by faith. There have been many more since. So um, pick up a biography. I just, uh, before the service, picked up two biographies off my shelf in the office um, that I've particularly enjoyed. Um, The Confessions of St. Augustine. Um, This is kind of written by this uh, 5th century bishop, and it it really is an autobiography chronicling his spiritual struggle as a young man. Um, Really good read. Uh, Another one that I read when I was younger, um, Living Sacrifice by Dr. Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary in, I think, the 50s, 60s, and 70s in what was then called the Congo. And what she was willing to risk for the sake of Christ was just truly inspiring, willing to face poverty and um, hatred and danger and, and even rape for the sake of Christ. Really inspiring to read the stories of those who have finished well. Um, but what about the older Christians that are around us, even in this room? It's so great that we are in a family and there are people ahead of us, up the track, who, have, uh, who can bear witness to the power of faith to keep them going, th- uh, even in the face of ridiculous obstacles. So let's make the most of the resources around us. If you're a young person, um, ask the question that you're scared to ask. And if you're an old person, um, older person, uh, it would be great to hear your stories. Run with perseverance by listening to the witnesses. Secondly, run with perseverance by throwing off hindrances. Verse 1 continues, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Athletes at this time really knew how to run light. There's a story which may or may not be true about one runner in the early Olympics. His, um, his loincloth began to become uh, untangled and uh, it unraveled and he tripped on it. Face met floor and from that point forwards, every single athlete ran naked. Um, the last part of that story is definitely true. They really did run naked. And in the Christian race, we must also run light. The first trip hazard in this verse is everything that hinders. Do you see that there? Everything that hinders. Not just sinful things. This is broader than that, isn't it? Uh, far broader. Even, even good things can trip us up and stop us from running well. 
Even good things must sometimes be thrown off for the sake of running the race. Um, So that might mean throwing off habits. It might be really good to um, read a book before bed or, or watch a good TV show. That might be a really good thing. But is it stopping you from reading your Bible? Don't want to be too prescriptive on that, but that might be something that you need to throw off. Uh, Having friendships with people that aren't Christians, really, really good. We're trying to encourage that, not discourage that at the moment. But if you've got one particular friend who is more successful at converting you than you are at converting them, that might be a friendship that you need to throw off. What about ambitions? Again, it's really good to have ambitions. It's good to want to make the most of the gifts that God's given you. It's good to want to earn more so you can give more. But if you're working so hard that you are just exhausted by the time it gets to a Sunday morning and you can't pay attention in church, that might be a problem. You may need to adjust your work-life balance there. What about attachments? Um, It's good to have issues that we care about or good gifts uh, that God has given us that we love. Um, You know, I read on on someone's, uh, not someone here, someone's Facebook wall uh, that they said, babies and dogs are my life. Man, that's sad. Um, As Christians, we should never be in that position where other attachments, other issues are taking the place of Christ, even if they're good things. Um, How do I recognize if that's an issue for me? Ask yourself these two questions. Is it the first thing you think about when you get up in the morning and the last thing you think about at night? Second question. Is this good thing stopping me from doing something better? Ask yourselves those questions. The second trip hazard in this verse is the sin that so easily entangles. Lots of things can entangle us, but sin can do it so, so easily. Um, This is obviously far worse than just having your shoelaces tied together. It really is impossible to run when you're entangled by sin. We might manage a few steps down the road and kid ourselves that we can do it, but honestly, we can't. It's going to end in a fall. By God's grace, that might mean nothing more than a grazed knee. Um, It hurts, God picks us up, and we learn from it. But let's not take God's grace for granted, because sometimes the consequences are worse than that. Um, Some Christians, because of such a fall, limp all the way through the end of their race. Um, Forgiven, uh, let's see the examples here, forgiven lies can still break trust. Forgiven lust can still break a marriage. Forgiven control can still cause anxiety. There are consequences even to forgiven sin. And some falls can stop us from running entirely. If in our laziness we allow sin to have its way, then it will entangle us so tightly that we will never, ever finish. Such laziness in fighting sin will show that we were never running the race in the first place. So, let's throw off those entangling sins, lies, lust, control, and the rest. They may offer a brief moment of pleasure, but in the end, they are just getting in the way of far greater joy. 
Confess your sins to the Lord. He's not going to send you away. He's not going to treat you harshly. Ask him to help. Confess your sins to a friend. If they understand the gospel, they're not going to treat you harshly either. They're not going to look down on you. Maybe pray with them. Pray together and ask for God's help. Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Then we can run free and light to the far superior joy that is ahead of us. Then we can run with perseverance. Thirdly, and most gloriously, run with perseverance by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Don't forget everything that we've just looked at about throwing off hindrances. But at the same time, don't fix your eyes there. Um, I know of a believer who used to write down in his diary every single mistake that he ever made. Um, Thank God he eventually realized that that was causing so much damage to him. I know that's an extreme example, but we actually do the same. Um, We fix our eyes on ourselves so often. We overanalyze our own running technique. We self-diagnose every twinge. We replay every single stumble we've ever made over and over again. But this doesn't help us run with perseverance. This will leave us as joy-starved, unmotivated runners, always on the edge of giving up. Instead, um, as the 19th century Scottish pastor Robert, Robert Murray McShane said, for every look at self, take 10 looks at Christ. If you want to run well, fix your eyes on Jesus. Why is this going to help us? Because he's the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Let's just think about what those two titles mean. He's the pioneer of faith. This means that setting the pace ahead of all of those heroes of faith in chapter 11, Jesus is the primary example of running the race well. He was the first to reach the finish line. He's the one who marked out that race for us in the first place. If Hebrews 11 is, the, um, is faith's hall of fame, then here is the primary example. What did Jesus do by faith? The verses continue wonderfully. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. All those other heroes of faith, they they had to endure a lot, didn't they? Torture, jeers, flogging, chains, imprisonment. The people that read this letter first, they had to endure a lot as well. Disgrace, poverty, exclusion. You might have to endure a lot in your Christian life, but no one, no one endured as much as Jesus did. He endured the cross. We're so used to thinking about the the pain that Jesus went went through, um, the brutal whipping, the inch-long thorns, the cruel nails, the suffocating weight, the rasping breath. Brutal, terrible. 
But here, it emphasizes the shame, the awful, awful shame. The cross was considered such a shameful fate in the Roman world that it, it, was, it was just not allowed to be brought up in conversation. And whatever you did as a Roman citizen, you would never face that fate. However bad a crime you committed, if you're a Roman citizen, the cross was just, it was just too disgraceful for you. Considered just too degrading for a Roman citizen, whatever they did. But this is the sun. This is the glorious Christ, greater than prophets, greater than angels, greater than Moses, greater than priests, the, the one who brings a greater covenant. And he is the one who is stripped naked, mocked, called a liar and a rebel, spat on and humiliated. And even worse, the, the horrible stench, the unholy stench of all his people's sin piled on the innocent Holy One, Jesus. As if he was a liar, as if he was an adulterer, as if he was a murderer. Such an unholy, repugnant stench that even his father had to turn his face away. Oh, the shame of the cross. But he endured it, scorning that shame. He saw earlier in his life, all the way down the track, saw that this was all ahead of him, and yet he still said, no, this will not stop me. I will not give up. Do you want to know what was on Jesus' mind as he walked up Calvary's hill? Do you want to know what he was thinking of as he hung there by those nails? Joy incomparable joy. Of course, he wasn't experiencing that at the moment, but his faith looked beyond what was visible. His faith looked forward to what was ahead of him. Joy, incomparable joy that motivated every step towards the cross. Joy, the joy of being reunited with his father after his resurrection and ascension. The joy of being enthroned and reigning over a new world which his death would create. The joy of all his people, all of you if you're trusting in him, coming to join him in one holy congregation singing his praise. When that race is tough, fix your eyes on him. Follow his example as the pioneer of faith. The race may be tough, but there is such awesome joy ahead of us. The joy of being with Jesus and seeing him face to face, of actually looking him in the eye and seeing him looking at you in the eye. What an awesome joy of seeing his joyous smile at being reunited with him. Fantastic. What awesome joy awaits us when the race gets tough. Fix your eyes on him. Well, you might say, that was okay for Jesus, but he was Jesus. I don't have that sort of faith. Don't worry. Because he's also the perfecter of faith. This means um, he was the one who gave us faith in the first place. And as we fix our attention, as we fix our eyes on him, 
He will nurture, maintain, and grow that faith. He will give us the faith that will qualify us in the end. The faith that will see us through to the end of that race. He'll give it to us. So, if you're not a believer yet, if you wouldn't describe yourself as someone that has put their faith in Jesus, I just encourage you to look to him today. Maybe you don't have anything that is keeping you going in the race of your life. You don't have anything that is going to keep you going when life gets hard, when those challenges uh, hit you. You just, it's just you on your own. Put your faith in Jesus. Fix your attention on him and he will give you a faith that will see you all the way through to a glorious, joyful future. And if you do have faith, if you are in this race, keep looking to him. Keep trusting him. We have no more excuses for lazy Christianity. We see the great cloud of witness. We've looked at their example. We have been encouraged to throw off all these weights and we have been encouraged to put our attention all on Jesus. Ask him to mature and nurture you in your faith that you will be able to overcome every single obstacle. Maybe you're, um, you're running well. Keep going. Kevin said this morning, it's so encouraging just to see you walk in every single week. Keep going. Keep going by faith. Maybe you're struggling. You feel the temptation towards lazy Christianity. Look to Christ. Look to what he endured. Look to the example of the believers in Hebrews chapter 11 and others around you and see what they went through, through the power of faith. You can keep going. Maybe you've stopped and you're facing the other direction. I don't know what joy you're pursuing, but I promise you it is nothing compared to the joy that will meet those that reach the finish line. Turn around and fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for the awesome joy that is waiting for us when we reach the finish line. Father, thank you for your son who endured that shame. Thank you that he endured it for the joy that was set before him. And in doing so, he secured that joy for us. Father, pray that all of us would fix our attention on him and that he would give us this faith that will see us through whatever obstacles we face. In his name we pray. Amen.